This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Michael Smith Jr., partner of Jungle Ventures and their new fund Seed Plus. We discuss how the fund is assembled, the key people, and their investment theses. We examine the broader Southeast Asia market and the key issues in how startups can scale across a highly fragmented ecosystem. Hi, Smitty. Bernard, nice to have you back in Singapore. Yes, I have been well and I've actually been living in California time for the last two and a half months. So, your life has changed a lot, right? Yeah, I moved. <laughs> yes. I moved houses and I moved jobs. So yeah. it changed a little bit. Yeah. Mm. And I'm talking to Michael Smith Jr., now partner for Jungle Ventures. And since we last spoke, you have moved from Hook to Jungle Ventures. What's your latest gig about? Yeah, so the latest gig is, you know, I think to be open and honest about what I've wanted to do with my life for I've been in the startup ecosystem for a while and I have Obviously, been in Singapore. I just renewed my reentry permit for my PR, so I've been here at least seven years or something. That you know, there's I've been on the side of the startups of being in startups and working at them, and I've always admired you know what some people call the dark side, or I just call the other side, which is you know the capital side of startups. It's one of those things that I don't think you just raise your hand and say, hey, I'm going to go be a VC or I'm going to go run something along that line. So I've been really fortunate to be exposed to the ecosystem and I think everybody knows he and go at North Star NSI sorry and he and gave me you know was really gracious and over the last year or so had given me an opportunity to be an advisor with NSI and work with portfolio companies and due diligence work and the more I did stuff like that the more I realized I really love it and then that just kind of turned into realizing that I was kind of overbuilding product and I think it's because I'm getting older and it's just one of those things I feel like I've been doing the same thing for a long time that I want to just do something different and I think you and I talked about the whole always be learning and I just wanted to start over right so starting over was you know how do I get into this side of the fence and fortunately once I started telling people I was looking my old contacts reared their ugly head and I think I think for a while now you've been trying to get David Cowdy mm-hmm. <laughs> on your podcast <laughs> tell people David Gowdy is right. David Gowdy was the Corp Dev M&I guy for Yahoo for many, many years and then went and did TPG in Singapore. And then he's also a partner at Jungle. And David and I were just having lunch one day and he said, hey, we're doing this new thing. You should come talk to Amit. Amit's the other Jungle partner and you know we'll tell you what we're doing. So what we're doing here, and I think it's a good time to kind of explain some of it, is what we see in the ecosystem is you know, everybody will have probably different opinions of this. And I, I think you know from being in Singapore a long time that the amount of capital now available to startups is unprecedented, right? It's It has to be the largest it's ever been, right? But it comes in kind of these different buckets of there's a lot of incubators and accelerators. You know, give you 50, give you 100 grand and, you know, you give them some equity and then they help you over 90 days take your company to the next phase. And then I think, you know, there's a lot of Series A funds out there that basically say it's time for you to raise a million bucks and go do your thing, right? What we saw a need for was if you look at that gap between 
you know, the angel network and, you know, and you've been involved in these networks yourself, Bernard, you, you can go raise 50, 100 grand pretty easily from a network of friends or, or even family members, right? But if you now are saying, hey, I need to build out this company and it's going to take another 12 months, you're not ready for Series A money yet because you don't have the revenue yet, you're not big enough, there's kind of a gap there, right? And in America, where you just came from, you know, you're familiar with guys like First Round Capital, I, I think is the one we most kind of look to, where they only focus on seed stage investing. They put in a fairly large chunk of money, you know, I think 700 grand, 800 grand American money. They, they don't have a program of sorts, but they have a team. They set you up with partners and working sessions, and their goal is to kind of help you grow the company and get to Series A, right? Mm. If you look at the Singapore ecosystem, there isn't really any venture firm or fund focused on that gap. And that's what we're doing here at C+. So it was a kind of a long-winded answer to what am I doing? It was to kind of set up that, you know, this is what C+ is all about. We have a team of guys. I'll just name drop a few people so people understand who's here. A friend of ours named Gabriel is here. He was a long-time, I think within the first 50 employees at Spotify and moved out from Sweden to Singapore worked with Spotify, kind of doing Asian product management. You know, so if you have any complaints about Spotify, you can call Gabriel. And then he transitioned over to working for Jungle. Another gentleman is uh, Tian. Tian used to do Evernote Asia. And there's another gentleman that can't be named yet. And the four of us are basically this team of product operators that have done startups or worked for big companies and what we're basically saying is, if we look at an investment, we're giving you money. I'm looking out over the space. We have space for the startups to move in with us. And we take these four people and we figure out how we can help you grow your startup to get to the next level, right? And none of us are actual VCs. We're all product guys. Do you have an investment thesis for the fund itself? Yeah, we do. It's not one that I can easily just say, because it's actually like a three or four page Google Doc right now. But yeah, we, we, we generally, the first thing I'll say is we have a bunch of things that we'll say no to literally without doing much research, right? And it's because we feel like there's certain markets that it's really hard as a seed stage venture capitalist to decide what to do. So like if you came to me and said, we're building a social network for dog lovers in Southeast Asia, pretty much without me reading your deck, I'm going to say it's not for Seed Plus. Now, I'm not going to say it's not a business or it's not for you, but it's not for us, right? And that's because it's how can anybody prescribe that you could build a new social network, right? So, so we have things we definitely say no to, things that we feel like a lot of the capital gets spent on marketing, we think is not for us. And that's because we're not really helping you there, right? Because we know you're just calling up Google and Facebook and doing a big ad campaign. And there's not much the partners can do to help, right? And it doesn't really go into code. It doesn't go into IP. So then if I turn that around and say, there's these things that we say no to, that's, and then to be honest with you, that's just to help with time management. I think one of the things I keep telling people is, People kind of say, like, are there enough startups out there? Are there enough founders? Are there enough ideas? And I keep feeling like there's plenty, right? Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to be amazing. but So we kind of have to put these filters out there to lessen the, the amount of things coming in. The things that we do get really interested in are obviously technical things. 
where you've actually really coded up something that is you can explain that's pretty amazing, right? And so we look at things that like around machine learning, artificial intelligence as being interesting because they're hard code problems to solve. We look at things that have to do with the plumbing and infrastructure and networking as being interesting. So I guess it's easy to say that if it's more technically bent and it's more product oriented, you know, we're going to have a conversation with you. Mm. Right? So a startup with a prototype and product comes to you, what is the amount of funding he, uh, the company will get? And how does it relate to Jungle Ventures' main fund? I mean, we didn't talk about Jungle Ventures, but yeah, it's a very so established yeah. PC firm in Southeast Asia. Yeah, so let's step back a little bit and appreciate that I think what Jungle Ventures is, you know, you have a, a group of funds in the ecosystem, and, and I think a lot of these funds have now grown into what I call firms, maybe is the better thing, because I think everybody, you know, from Golden Gate to to us, if you would have their first fund, right? And I think everybody would call it a fund, but now everybody's kind of on their second fund. And these things are turning into firms where they're employing 10, 15 people, right? So Jungle is is a firm and they are working on their second fund that hasn't closed yet. And what Seed Plus is, is actually a fund as well. So it's its own fund and it's, you know, Jungle Ventures is one of the LPs in the fund and is kind of the one of the brainchilds behind kicking it off, but Seed Plus itself is a fund. You know, we're not talking about its size at the moment, it's not closed either, but it this fund is fully dedicated to our investment thesis and our seed stage investing, right? So to go back to your question, we are looking to invest anywhere from say roughly 250,000 Sing all the way up to say a million Sing as a seed round. And I think this is what's different about us than other people in the region is that we can do a capital round that size devoted to the seed round, which for most places, you know, that would be more of a series, almost a series A, or it would be, you know, let's say you were doing it without a VC firm, you would have some friends and families plus an investor, like you would, you would cobble together a lot of different parties and like a party round to get raise that kind of money. And what we're trying to do is say, hey, if it makes sense for us, you don't really need to do that party round. You can have one institutional investor. Uh, it's an equity round. We would be wanting a board seat and we would be wanting to put, you know, I think partner is the best term to use to, to work with your company, right? Mm-hmm. And that's generally what we're aiming for. And in fact, one of, I would say, advisors or maybe even the LPs, Ratan Tata. He's yeah, so we, as well. what's public about Seed Plus is kind of its main LPs that we can talk about. And that would be, one is Jungle, one is IPL. I think you're familiar with them. Yep. That's the government, essentially. Yep. And they, the IPL has kind of moved up the stack more to be like LPs and other funds. Then there's Ratan Tata's, you know, it's his family office, I think is the term to use, R&T Associates. And so they're also an LP. The fun thing about that is, yeah, we have had access to them. We've had some meetings with them, and we actually meet with R&T regularly to share portfolio tidbits and stuff like that. Yeah, just for information for my audience is that Ratan Tata is also the chairman of the Tata Group in yeah. India, which is one of the very, very powerful companies there. I also wanted to talk a little yeah, and bit... And the other LP is Excel India, uh, the venture firm. So, so it's, a, it's And I think what's nice about that strategic fit is... 
it offers startups a nice place to go after us to talk to other people for their follow-on money. So I wanted to ask you this question. What are the traits that you look for in a startup founder or group of founders who will come to you? So I think this, it's obviously very specific to me and what I look for. And, and I'm, again, you know, I think I've been using the tagline like apprentice VC more affectionately to kind of say that I'm learning, right? And, and I think I, I'm not experienced at this yet. But what I tend to look for is one number one, storytelling. I know this is kind of an odd subject, but I, I find that you know when you're a founder and you're you're sharing with me or or anybody what you're doing, you're, you're basically telling your story, and that story is of you, your product, your history. So I look for good storytelling because I think it it, it shows a lot of kind of the emotional qualities that someone needs that I guess I, I find attractive, right? Which is the ability for them to emote and share a story with me. I look for people that are open to the dialogue of, you know, because what we tell people is I'm not going to sit here and say I'm right or I'm wrong or you're right or wrong. It's all opinions, right? And I think a startup is generally an experiment. But if I know that I can have a healthy dialogue with you saying like, hey, I, I disagree with that, I agree with that, or I think about this, with and if that turns into being able to be like a two-way conversation that one, they don't take offense to and don't get defensive about, that definitely helps me to get a sense of demeanor because what I try to tell people is no matter what you think is going to happen, you're probably not going to get what you want or it's not going to go. And you, you've been in startups that didn't work, right? Like it never goes the way you plan. Let's put it that way, right? So the, when you come to me and you, you show me your plan, I kind of tell me, let's all agree that it probably won't go according to plan. So given that, let's have a dialogue of like, what happens if this happens or if you go left. And if they can have that with a smile on their face and also agree that it's all conjecture at this point, that's a really good demeanor sign for me, right? Because we know that it's not always going to go according to plan. We definitely look for technical things. We'd like to have an MVP. We'd like to have something we can touch. Even better, if it's in the market already, we can play with it. We actually have looked at source code as a VC already. And, you know, we have spent, I guess, we over-index a little bit on technical stuff because we're technical guys, and, and that's what we think is different about us. And then I look for just the, you know, the connectivity in the team. Who do you know? Who works for you? It's nice to be able to name drop a, a few people that we might share in common so that we can build a rapport. But I tend to look for those things more than I look for the mechanics of how good is the deck and, you know, what are you wearing and stuff like that. I, I tend to not really important for me. So one of the challenges, and I think that this, this has been also reflected during my trip in Silicon Valley as well, is that the Southeast Asia market, or now we broadly call the ASEAN market, sure. about 500 million population, and it's very fragmented. You have very developed markets like Singapore. You have very developing markets like Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, where you are also based in. Yeah. How do you get startups to scale across these different geographies? Yeah, I think it's, look, everybody knows it's not easy, but I think that what we generally try to look for, and I think the term that I've been using, it's not super friendly, is not geographically bound, right? So, because I think as a startup, you might only be in the one country that you're headquartered in, and that's the only place you're started. And that's okay, right? We don't have a problem with that. But what we'd like to know is, 
is there anything preventing you from opening up in Vietnam? And, and some, you know, let's be honest, some things, you know, I think there was that hawker food delivery thing that was in Singapore that went under. And, you know, it was basically geographically bound to Singapore from day one, right? So that would be something we'd not be interested in. But, and then if you look at some things, like let's look at FinTech, for an example. MAS has been doing a phenomenal job of allowing experimentation up to a certain point in Singapore. Now, we all know that like if you took that same idea, let's say you took it to Thailand, they don't have that same level of government oversight that's that's allowing that level of experimentation. So let's say you did this thing with FinTech in Singapore and it's going really well. It might be because MAS is super friendly. And then if you now had to say, I'm taking this to Indonesia and Vietnam and Thailand, we know that each of those countries they have their own MAS, their own things to go through. It might be difficult, not impossible, but it might be difficult, right? So we're, we're generally just trying to see that if there are these gates that you can get through to get to other countries, because we generally feel that unless you're talking about, let's say, a country the size of Indonesia, where you could say, hey, I'm going to go out in this sector and I'm going to become the number one or two, that's a big business, right? But how many times are you going to become the number one? Let's be honest, right? So we're more interested in something that says I can cut across regions, and then we're more interested in talking about what does that look like? Like, how do you think you go to Vietnam? And have you experimented yet? And so I don't think these things are impossible, and I'm definitely more appreciative of startups that just kind of open their doors to as many places as possible than to have these really you know, strict, well, this year we did Singapore, next year we'll do Thailand, and I'm like, well, what prevents you from speeding up that whole roadmap? It's difficult, but I think we've seen enough people, like, you know, I've been really following Garena over the years, not just recently, and this is a, com a company that's, you know, been very regional, almost pan-Asia, literally from the time they've started, right? So, I'm not saying it's easy, but I don't think it's impossible. So you're looking for companies that actually has no geographic bounds. Just to also help my audience, uh, yeah. MAS means Monetary Authority of yeah, Singapore, sorry. and they deal yeah. with the entire of the financial regulation. Yeah. And, I, and, and to be clear, they deal with everything from even the venture firms like ourselves to you're starting up a financial thing to a bank, right? Mm. But I think we can all agree that you know they've had a really healthy dialogue with the startup ecosystem, right? And, and doing some pretty amazing things to foster what I think arguably people would say that Singapore is pretty much the fintech capital of the region. So like for example, I know that a lot of companies who actually approach VCs from Singapore for regional funds, for example, Southeast Asia as a whole, nowadays they actually incorporate in Singapore as well. Yes. Is that a re requirement required? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a soft requirement in that even if you didn't do it yet, there's no reason that we can't get it done in the process of talking to us. You know, but generally these are holding companies or what I think the we call top co, something like that. So but what you generally see is a lot of companies are already doing the Singapore top co, right? The Indian companies, the Thailand companies. So it's not a stretch. Even the Australian companies are doing it more and more. So it could be that you're from Australia and you're talking to us and you haven't done it yet. It's possible that in, in the process of looking to invest in you, you can get it done. Mm -hmm. But yes, we are looking ultimately that we're writing a check to a Singapore Topco, but you could be a Vietnamese startup, you could be here, but you're only deployed in Thailand. We don't really care. 
we just need that framework to work in. I mean, Singapore is becoming like the Delaware for yes. this region. But I think there's another interesting question I actually wanted to pick your brain. If I were to go into any country in Southeast Asia, and I think you have the experience with some of the companies you have advised in Indonesia, Thailand as well. Is it a city-based approach or is it a provincial approach? Yeah, that's a good one. I think I think it depends what you're doing, obviously. But I, I tend to think of countries as a country, but then I realize depending on what you're doing. Like if you're doing logistics, well, then it's probably city by city, right? If you're, you know, doing something that involves local languages, it could be provincial. But I, I tend to think topically like it's a country, but then if we get really decisive about how we're going to measure and look at the market, we're probably looking at metropolitan areas, maybe that's the province, because we'll say, okay, in Indonesia, what are you really doing? Well, you're doing Jakarta, Bandung, and whatever, and then in Thailand, we're saying, so you're talking, you know, probably in Thailand, most people only think of Bangkok, right? And then you might say, and then we're going to target Chiang Mai and Phuket or something. So it depends what the product is, but I generally think we stay at the pretty high level. We're just saying, are you going to enter these other countries? How will you enter them? What do you think of the positives? What do you think of the negatives? But we definitely want some purview into your thinking around expansion. Since you start, how many deals have you done? Can you talk about Yeah, so we can talk about some stuff that's well known because there's been some publicity. So we have done three deals we can talk about. We've done more than that, but they're not public yet. The three ones really quickly are one of the early deals was this company called Moglix. It's actually in India that is doing a B2B to C play, shouldn't call it a play, a product that is deep in the bowels of like warehouses and stuff for supply chain management. And it's it's some experienced entrepreneurs. They were connected with Jungle. It was a nice seed deal. They've already gone to raise their Series A from Excel. The second one, it's getting a lot of press just in the last week because we kind of launched it a little bit. It's called Appnox, which is really thorough security scanning of iOS and Android apps. But the cool thing is they just need the binary. So literally, you can input your Play Store URL into their system and they can figure it out. They can tell you where where there's flaws or let's say the ability to break the app security-wise. They started in India and they were a JFDI thing, went back to India, worked on it, invested and brought them back to Singapore. So the founders are here. And what we're really working on is market expansion. Like they're doing well in India. We're, We're figuring out how to get into Singapore, how to get into Malaysia, how to get into Indonesia, and then eventually like Australia and New Zealand. The third one, which is not really launched yet, it's more of a, I think it's in the app stores now, but you, you it's a paid for product. It's called Stack, S-T-A-C-C-K. And what it is, is, is kind of our observant, and then we have this thematically, I'll step back and say, one of the themes we have, we've kind of labeled it the gig economy, but it's just this notion of, that one blue collar work in general, a lot of startups don't focus on it. And then that we also see that just the whole notion of what technology has done and created temporary employment and people are part-time Uber drivers, part-time whatever, you know, you need tools to kind of manage that. So what Stack is, is a productivity and a communications tool. Right now, mostly targeted the food and beverage industry so that you're, you know, you own your five donut shops and what you do is you sit there with this tool on the web or in your app and you're managing your employees, they, you know, your employee comms, your process things through an app. And what we normally see is people are using WhatsApp for that, but just group chat. So think of this as like Slack 
for blue collar work. Mm -hmm. Where right now Slack is very white collar work. We and so that's our other one. And then we have other stuff that'll get announced pretty soon. So mm -hmm. we're we've been busy. Like we we generally think that every few months or so we will probably have made an investment. So one one thing I do like about the C plus team is that all of you are operators. Yeah. All of you have done great great work in product management, etc. Very rare for most Singapore incubators or venture funds. Correct. Correct. Going from the sell side to another buy side. Yeah. What's your opinion now? Being on the other side um, looking looking from the other perspective. Yeah, so one of the things that like I'll say right away is like I'm super thankful for this type of work because it's less stressful than running a product than a startup. And I'm not saying it's less hard. It just changes what it was, but it's, it's, it's a fun place to be. I basically love getting up every day and running into work because it's super fun, right? And I think it's one of those things that like, I'm lucky uh, and it's the best word for it. So it, it is very different. We, we have to, you know, we basically see, you know, I want to give statistics. A lot of emails every week. Our network, you know, like you know, will send us stuff. So between four guys, the jungle name, the PRC Plus has gotten, our network, we're basically unindated, <laughs> if that's the word, from both cold emails and network warm requests, right? So between keeping up with all those, finding the ones that we want to talk to, and then meeting with them, it's quite busy, right? And that's why the job is a lot of that, right? And then it's a lot of the kind of what we call portfolio management, but we're heavily indexed on portfolio management because we're actively supporting our companies. So I would say I've traded a different kind of busyness for another one, but I don't have the stress of, is the product down, is the server down? And I don't miss that. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't miss that at all. But the, the negative to it, what I've traded for, I guess, short-term gratification, like you know how you launch an app, you get to see it, people start using it, and you get to get the bugs out, and uh, you get to see your traffic. The This is a long-term gratification game, right? Because we find a company, we work with them months to close a deal, we give them the money, then they use that money to grow. I don't really know how well I'm doing for probably months or years to come. And that one's kind of uncomfortable, right? Because I don't, I don't know how I'm doing. You know, I know that I'm meeting with people, I know we're making investments, but I don't really know how I'm doing. So that one makes this job a little bit difficult, right? Because I think everybody knows, as much as you see all the glamour around VC and what you think might be happening, it's still a job. It still requires you to be a good person and meet people and make decisions. But what's difficult about it is you don't have any near-term responses to those decisions to know if they were great decisions or not right so with the four of you do you also bring in mentors to help as well yeah yeah so we and i think you know if anybody listens to this and wants to reach out to us uh, you can always send us an email hello at cplus.com we read those emails we reply to them uh, it's easier than handing out kind of our personal emails yeah we we do a couple things we might go out and say hey we're looking at this deal it's very specific to this and there's somebody in our network who comes from that industry and we talk to them. We've hired interns. We will probably grow the team sometime next year, maybe with like an analyst or something. So yeah, and we, it's a network, right? We, we basically have people that we would call on for specific things and we do, right? And we'll say like, hey, I'll take you out to dinner. Can you help me understand this? Whatever, you know, it's, 
I think that's the way all VCs kind of work. Some of these are paid relationships. Some of them, you know, people are just advisors or mentors to the startups. But it's a community thing, and we're definitely reaching out to the community. We need to kind of get moving around, like, community outreach and doing some events and stuff. We've just been heads down on kind of closing the fund and stuff like that. So I think you'll see more of that out of us going into next year than this year. I thought I just wanted to close it with a penultimate question before I ask you the standalone yeah. the last question. How do you see the VC scene grown in the last few years? I mean, I think it's it's amazing, right? I, I think you still have people running around saying, I can't get capital. What I say is, you probably don't have a good idea because I don't think there's a lack of capital. You now have, like, like I said, these firms going on their second funds. You know, I think just off the top of my head, you know, you got NSI, you got Monks Hill, you got Golden Gate. I'm sure I'm missing someone, so someone will yell at me. There's Sequoia, who is really active in Singapore now. Um, and the whole Southeast Asia as there's well. Vertex, and there's all the different... I mean, if anybody can't see that this thing has phenomenally grown over four or five years, you're basically blind, right? Like, there's still pockets of things to work on, like, you know, more maybe seed stage money, more... I think some people will say if you try to raise a B or a C, it's difficult. I don't know that we're suffering from any lack of incubators or accelerators. There seems to be plenty of those. But I still think the industry is, you know, still not a lot of exits, right? There are some, more than there has been in the past. There's not a good public market infrastructure per se, right? I think everybody either tries to get to the NASDAQ or gets to the ASX. I know Singapore is trying to wrap their heads around this problem, but you know, going public is still, you got to be pretty big and it's probably going to be on some foreign exchange, right? I think that's going to eventually have to get dealt with in, in Southeast Asia. But without a doubt, there's phenomenal growth, there's more capital, there's more experience. You kind of got to say that this is one of the ecosystems of the world to take notice of. You can't ignore that. So, Smitty, my last question. Yeah. How do my audience find you? Yeah, so I'm always the loud guy over on Twitter, uh, DreamPipe, and I'm happy to banter on Twitter. Everybody knows I always respond. Uh, I have my blog. No KPIs. I know it's a funny URL, but that's just because when I first showed up in Singapore, I had this aversion to the way everything was KPI-based. <laughs> Key performance I, indicator. Yeah, and so it... So yeah, no KPIs. And then, so I have my blog and I have that. You can also find us at seedplus.com. And again, you can have the hello button there. And also, you know, we're in block 79. Uh, we don't encourage you just to drop in and try to have meetings with us. Our, our life is highly scheduled. But if you do reach out to us and want to have a coffee and make and, you know make time to get it scheduled, I'll do it, right? I, I won't say no to that. And because that's just the kind of, network things here and, and I like meeting people but you know give me some time to schedule it and um, you know hopefully through this we'll reach some more people so. mm. just to add I also have to get a schedule for this meeting yeah anyway, <laughs> you can find me at blmcwo.com subscribe to us and analyze Asia A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia you can find us on ACAS, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher and even Google Play and of course tweet me if you have any recommendations for guests just drop me an email or even tweet to me because it's very easy to get guests these days for me from Silicon Valley to China to Southeast Asia. Uh, once again, Smini, thank you for yeah, coming I, on the I show. I have one quick question for you, Bernard. Yeah? When are we going to turn the mic around and we get to do an interview about your trip to the States? Um, yes, yeah, so just to sort of close this off, um, there have been actually a couple of requests been asked for me to be interviewed. So I have made it a point that if I reach episode 200, 
I will be interviewed. Oh, and right. um, there are definitely people who have already volunteered to be the interviewer cool. for that. Yeah. So I think it'd be fun to hear about the trip. Yeah, and actually, it's quite interesting. I spoke as a keynote in a conference, and somebody just walked up to me after that and said, Are you the same guy who did a podcast? Because you remarkably sound like that guy. That's and I was my like, voice. <laughs> That's me. So then they said, Why didn't you talk about yourself? But okay, I'm going to keep it here, but All we'll right. talk about that. Thank so, you. Thank you. Bye.